Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones, it's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the added difficulty of ordering very large items online, a loss of identity in one major travel industry, and what we love and can't stand about rental cars. Sleeping, renting, and driving. Oh, my. You listen to us. Now we want to listen to you. By visiting our website and sharing your remarkable customer experiences with us, we can share them with a broader audience. Now sit back and enjoy our listener stories. In case we haven't mentioned it before, we love listener stories. Oh, we do love them. We know that customer experience happens every single day, and there's no way Joey and I can stay on top of every experience with every company. That's why we depend on you, our loyal listeners, to share your great experiences with us so we can talk about them here. Now, as a reminder, you can share your experiences with us by going to experiencethisshow.com, the contact page, and then there's a big orange button that says start recording. And when you click on that button, you can just leave us a little voicemail. Now, why do we use the start recording? Well, if we get your listener story, where possible, we'd like to include you telling your story instead of us just relating your story in our own words. So check that out at experiencethisshow.com, the contact page, and then start recording your own listener story. So today's listener story comes to us from Carol Clegg, a marketing consultant and, quote, creator of destination mastermind business retreats for solo women business owners, unquote, at Travel Like a Local Today. Carol called in with this story about e-commerce company Wayfair, a retailer that sells furniture and home goods. Let's hear directly from Carol. Hi, Dan. This is Carol here from Retreats to Lisbon and Twitter and um, giving you some feedback on my great customer experience um, with Wayfair. I just It just makes my heart feel so good when you have a really good experience and somebody cares and somebody listens. And so I've bought items before from Wayfair and know that their customer service is excellent. So when I purchased some household things recently, one of them being a new bed for an Airbnb that we have. I was updated with their frequent text messages, which is wonderful, that the item was damaged in transit. Um, and that actually was a notification from FedEx. I called Wayfair at their 1-800 number. My did not hold on for long. I got to speak to a really nice person who immediately pulled up my order, no delay, no needing to check in with somebody else to get approval to do something. She could see that the order was on its way back to her. And she said to me, what would I like to do? And I said, I'd love a replacement and as quickly as possible because we're traveling for December and I really would like it to be delivered while my husband is still home so he can assemble it. 
And I only have a really tiny window to do that. And she put that all together within minutes. And I got the notification that my shipment was on its way to me. And it was just her attitude, um, her willingness, her friendliness, and no questions asked, take care of it. That was like, wow, this is a customer experience um, that people need to have when they're dealing with companies. So you can tell that I am a little passionate about having the good experience as a customer. And um, that's because I think it's so important. Now, before we dive into the specifics of Carol's story, I just want to go back to one of the first things she said, quote, it just makes my heart feel so good when you have a really good experience and somebody cares and somebody listens. Wow. If that doesn't inspire you to try to create a great experience for a customer, I'm not sure what would. Imagine what a customer whose heart feels good would do for your company. Well, if she's like Carol she'd tell a lot of other people about her experience. Exactly. And that's kind of the point of this segment on listener stories. We don't ask you to share bad experiences because we hear enough about those in the media and in social media. We focus on the great ones because those companies deserve the word-of-mouth marketing they get from thrilled customers. So let's unpack the bed story. The first thing that I realized from this is that this is a big ticket item in more than one way. It's big because a bed is pricey and it's big because a bed is large in size. <laughs> right. And so that in itself makes this a difficult transaction from the beginning. Right. And no pun intended, bigger items with bigger prices have the potential for bigger problems. This is actually compounded by the time-sensitive nature of the situation. As Carol noticed, they were going to be traveling and they really wanted to get it delivered before they left. Now, I'll be honest, I've been in that situation where you order something online and I spend a lot of time on the road and I'm trying to rush to get things there before I leave or I don't want things to come after I've left, especially like some, something like a bed that would sit on the porch waiting, sending a signal to every burglar and thief driving by <laughs> that, guess what? No one is home. So there's a lot of elements of this experience and challenges for Wayfair to deliver a remarkable experience for Carol. Yeah, and the things that stuck out to her, she was able to contact them and not have to hold or wait to talk to somebody, which, of course, is one of the major pain points of calling a toll-free number. And the thing that I think really stood out the most was that there were absolutely no questions asked. If you didn't like the bed, you could return it, and there's no questions asked. And that takes away the fear that people have every time we buy a big-ticket item whether we want to or not, we have a little bit of buyer's remorse. You know, should we have parted with that much money? Was it worth it, et cetera? And when you can take that fear away from customers, they are going to trust you more and they're going to trust their own instincts in terms of making the purchase, which exactly is what I think Wayfair wants to happen. You know, and we've talked about these types of guarantees and warranties on the show before. 
I don't understand, Dan, why more companies don't just move to the no questions asked. Now, I get it. There are some people that will abuse that. But I truly believe that the increase in your business that you will get from people that are loyal to you because you have a no questions asked policy far outweighs anybody that would abuse you. In fact, years ago, I had the chance to do some consulting work with Zappos, and they are infamous for their policy that you can return a pair of shoes up to 365 days after you've purchased them. And I was having a conversation with the then CEO, Tony Shea, about this policy and like, well, how does fraud work in this? And he said, look, Joey, we recognize that there are some people that will abuse the system and we track how often people call back and return the shoes later. Now, after they've reached a certain point, which we're not gonna disclose publicly what that threshold is, but I promise you it's really far down the road, we will actually just say to them, guess what, we're not a good fit for you, we're removing you from our customer ranks and you can't buy from us again. But the number of people that actually get removed is really small. So I think all businesses could stop and think about what is the no questions asked policy you could adopt for your product or service to create more customer loyalty. Yeah, I think that's a great story about Zappos because it often is the case that companies will find the exception first, and that will be the reason for not doing something. Well, we can offer a no questions asked because people will take advantage of it. Well, yeah, a few people may take advantage of it, and you should put guardrails in place so that the gamers, as we used to call them at Discover, uh, the gamers can't win out all the time. But the truth is, is that if you have any sort of rewards or loyalty program, anything, any opportunity, any loophole at all, gamers are going to find it, right? And that is a cost of doing business. But it doesn't mean that you should not create a great experience for every other customer because you're afraid of two or three customers taking advantage of you. Absolutely. Don't let the fact that one or two may abuse it stop you from helping all the others. In the same way that we often talk about on the show, don't feel that you have to create the same experience for everyone. If you want to treat a handful of customers better than others or go above and beyond in a scenario for someone, it's not as if that then becomes the rule that you have to follow every time. You know, Wayfair doesn't always have to treat their customers as well as they treated Carol. It's amazing that they did, but don't let the going above and beyond by a single agent stop you from doing more of it in the future. And one last thing that I want to highlight before we finish this segment is, what did Carol do after having this great experience with Wayfair? Well, number one, she reached out to her favorite podcast hosts and shared the story, knowing that we would share it with more people. Presumably, she also told friends and family about it. But also, I think we know that the second thing is the next time Carol needs any kind of furniture or home goods, she's going back to Wayfair. So thanks again to Carol Clegg for sharing her listener story and kudos to Wayfair for providing a remarkable customer experience. Sometimes a remarkable experience deserves deeper investigation. We dive into the nitty gritty of customer interactions and dissect how and why they happen. Join us while we're dissecting the experience. All right, Joey, we're going to ad lib a little game here. Oh, great. That we did not talk about ahead of time, but I think you're going to be good at this. It's called Name That Airport Code. Oh, jeez. I know you're a big traveler, so I know you can do it. 
All right. All right, let's start with an easy one. You're from Denver. What's Denver's airport code? D-E-N. Okay, and I'm from Chicago, and O'Hare is? O-R-D. Right, and if we go all the way west to uh, Los Angeles, it is? Probably L-A-X. Okay, now how about Scranton, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania? Yeah, no idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, for our astute listeners, it's A-V-P. Is A-V-P. Scranton, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, and I had an interesting experience renting a car there recently. Now, to be fair, Scranton, Wilkesbury, Pennsylvania, as you might imagine, is a small airport, but nonetheless, it got me thinking. When I approached the counter, the very first question I was asked was, which rental car company? I took a step back and I realized there were three stations at the counter. One for Avis and Budget, which are sister companies. One for Hertz and Dollar, which are also sister companies. And one for National and Enterprise. Ditto. Each station had a separate employee, and each had the same first question. So it got me thinking about how the rental car industry has become so commoditized that even presumably competing brands are combining their experience into a singular, undifferentiated one. The real epiphany came when I was sitting in the rental car, and I realized that there was not a single differentiating feature that told me which rental car company I had rented from. It literally could have been any of them. So I know you travel a lot too, Joey, and have probably noticed these same things, but I came up with five parts of the rental car customer experience where I think there's an opportunity to differentiate, but it's not just being done. So you jump in with the experiences that you've had as we go along. Cool? All right. That sounds good. Yeah. And I'm super excited we're having this conversation because I, number one, can't believe we haven't talked about this before. I too find that there is zero differentiation. And number two, I am waiting eagerly for someone to come in and completely disrupt the rental car industry. Exactly. So I do want to say that the five things I've come up with are very US-centered. Uh, I have heard, and occasionally I've only rented a car once or twice overseas, but I've heard that the experience is quite different outside the United States and maybe quite better than the United States. So for our international listeners, please know that we're talking about U.S.-based rental car companies here. Now, the first thing is the contract. The contract usually starts, the discussion about the contract usually starts with initial in these seven places and then sign here. <laughs> right. And you're encouraged to do it as quickly as possible. It's on a small screen that's difficult to read. And it's just like, click, 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 sign, and give me the keys. You're actually giving them the benefit of the doubt because most of the time I find it's not on a screen at all. It's still on paper. Oh, interesting. Interesting. But I would say that when you have to initial in seven places, that is already a pretty good sign that the experience is too complicated. Yes, this is the classic case of the lawyers. And for those of you that may not remember, I'm a recovering attorney, so I have permission to make fun of lawyers. A classic case of the lawyers determining the customer experience, which should always be a red flag in your organization. Have customer experience people involved in the conversation. Now, as we talk about a lot on this show, required legal disclosure language is a great opportunity for a creative marketer to turn it into an experience. After all, the goal is to get the customer to read and understand the legal contract, yet that's not usually the result. And as I implied, folks are just encouraged, like, just initial here. You don't. I've actually had car rental agents tell me, you don't need to read it, just sign it. That's always a comforting feeling when signing a legal agreement that if something goes wrong, I have to buy a car. Yeah, don't say that to a lawyer, folks. That's... 
it's not a good sign. So I say that instead, rental car companies could use icons and easy-to-understand language in the contracts. They could convert the process to an app or some sort of mobile digital thing like you were describing and or ask the desk employees to explain it to every customer in plain English. So instead of saying, just sign it, don't read it, what they could say is, here are the seven things that you're signing if you want to read in more detail the language is there for you. So here's the next one, the gas. <laughs> now, there are usually two choices, with neither one being a good <laughs> yeah, option. Exactly. The bad choice and the even worse choice. Yes, the we win and the you lose choices. <laughs> you can either pay for an entire tank of gas up front, which is usually at a reasonable per gallon rate, but if you're traveling less than 300 miles, you end up paying for gas that you don't use. Or you can let the rental car company fill the gas tank when you return it, which is usually at a per gallon rate that is three times the average fill-up price. Of course, you can also fill up the tank yourself as long as you remember. Uh, raise your hand if you've returned a rental car and not filled it up with gas. Yes. That would be me so many times I've lost track. Because either you forget or you run out of time or you can't find a local gas station, etc. Yeah, this is so absolutely ridiculous. There has to be a simpler way. Now, for example, one way a company could stand out would be to offer a worry-free return policy where they charge you a reasonable per gallon amount for the gas used. Or why don't you just charge me for the gas used? That'd be my favorite part. I'd be willing to pay the more expensive price if you only charged me for the number of gallons that I actually used while I had the car rented. This would completely change the rental car experience and create value for the customers in the process. Agreed. So how about this one, number three, the insurance. <laughs> now let's face it, very few Americans understand the nuances of their insurance policies, whether it's health insurance, home or renters, or auto insurance. We talked about this way back in episode nine when we looked at the poorly named explanation of benefits. It is neither an explanation nor a benefit. In the healthcare industry and the language it uses that customers do not understand. In the rental car industry, this poses a big problem in the unfortunate event of a car accident while driving the rental car. It also results in customers often paying twice for the same insurance, once to their auto insurance company and once to the rental car company. Oh, and I'll go one step further, Dan. Depending on the credit card you have, there might be a third company you're paying for insurance, and that would be your credit card company that includes in their annual fee certain coverages. Or if you have a credit card like I do with American Express, they have a program that I've opted into, which every time I pay for a rental car with my American Express, not only do they cover part, but I have a separate rider that kicks in that they charge me separately with insurance. But you're right. It's like you need a law degree or you have to have previously sold insurance to be able to navigate all of the twists and turns of insurance for your car. Now, instead of offering a $20 per day insurance rider that most people turn down because you know, they don't want to pay $20, but some people unsuspectingly accept, why not add one or two dollars to every rental and insure everyone automatically? It'd be one less thing for the drivers to worry about. It'd be something easy for the agencies to do. And they're already charging you all of these random fees that get bundled in that are different than the price that is originally quoted. Bump that up just a little bit, cover the insurance, and pitch it as a benefit to your renters. Absolutely. So number four is 
the tolls. Now, it's perfectly fair for rental car companies to charge customers for tolls used. What's less fair is to also charge a per-day fee for the benefit of having the EasyPass device in your car. And I also love that they don't they, the per-day fee applies to every day of the rental period, not just the days that you use the EasyPass. So, for example, if you're going to rent a car for a week to go to the beach and you have to drive on the toll road on day one to get there and on day seven to get back to the airport, you get to pay for the days that your rental car was parked at the beach. Not that I've ever had something like this happened before. No, and if you read the fine print, which I know you as a recovering attorney do, it also is charged per calendar day, whereas the rest of the contract is per 24 hours. Yes. Meaning if you rent a car on a Tuesday and return it on a Wednesday, you're charged for one day of rental, but two days of the toll because you have it on both Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, it's absolutely insane, especially because at the end of the day, the rental car company likely doesn't incur any cost to have the toll reader in the car in the first place. Now, granted, there's certainly bookkeeping that needs to be done to allocate the right tolls to the right customers. But I agree, this is something that could be much simpler and fairer to all the customers. And last but not least, in fact, maybe the most important is the car itself. Wouldn't it be nice to find a bottle of water or a mint in the car when you pick it up? How about a sign that thanks you for being a customer and directs you to the telephone number if you need help with anything? Better yet, consider using the OnStar technology found in many cars to allow the driver to contact the rental car agency directly with a question or problem. Another idea would be to partner with SiriusXM to equip all cars in the fleet with the radio service, a nice added benefit which would also serve as a perfect taste test to then market the subscription service to car owners. Or consider painting the cars a more unique color than black, white, or gray to make it easier to find a rental car in a crowded parking lot. The list goes on and on. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more here, Dan. And in fact, on more than one occasion, I'm embarrassed to say, I have walked out of a hotel and put my keys into the door of the wrong rental car to unlock the doors because I was parked to another rental car of the same make and model that was the same color. Huge opportunity to stand out here. It's difficult to tell any of these apart. In addition, when it comes to being in the car, what I think is fascinating is why is there no signage anywhere in the car? Even on the keychains, half the time the keychains don't have the name of the rental car company. You know, if I was trying to create loyalty and I had that time of you sitting in the car, I would be doing things to make you think positively about my rental car company instead of making you just feel like this could be any car on the planet. Now, I will say there's a, a brand that is trying to disrupt this world called Silver Car. Silver Car is owned by Audi and all their rental cars are Audis. So they're super really nice shocking. cars. <laughs> yeah, and they're all silver, but in this case, they're all really nice cars and they stand out in the crowd. So that's five ways we think that rental car companies can improve the customer experience. Did we miss any? If you have one you'd like to add, go to experiencethisshow.com and click on contact to leave us a message. And if there are other industries you'd like for us to cover in a similar way in a future episode, we'd love to hear that from you too. Sometimes the customer experience is amazing. And sometimes we just want to cry. Get ready for the roller coaster ride in this edition of I Love It! I Can't Stand It! 
It's time for another edition of I Love It, I Can't Stand It, where we take a look at an industry and try to identify all the things we think are going right and the things we wish we could get and by the way, folks, just as an aside, don't get caught up in the industry we're talking about. The point we're trying to make with this segment is every industry has things that the customers love and can't stand. And one exercise you could do in 2020 with your team is to sit down and just make a all list of all the things your people love and all the things they can't stand. And now you've got your homework of what you want to work on to enhance in the new year. Exactly. So since we just talked about my rental car experience, we thought it'd be fun to circle back and talk about this often overlooked travel experience. So let's start with the loves. Joey? I love it that I can drive a type of car or a model that I haven't driven before. Now, I'm not much of a car guy, but I do enjoy seeing the different car brands in action. So if there's a VW or a Kia or something I don't drive very often, I'm psyched to get the chance to check it out. Similarly, I love it when I get a new car or a car that has very little mileage on it because it just feels like such a treat to drive a car where you're only like the second or third or fourth person to drive it because, you know, I drive a, a nice car, but it's I've had it for a long time. It's got a lot of miles on it. Doesn't so quite have that new car smell it, anymore. It's kind of lost the new car smell. I love it when they let me pick the car I want. You know, a couple of the car rental places you go out and they're like, just pick any car from this row. And what I also love about that is my six-year-old and my four-year-old sons, they get to pick the car and it adds after a long flight, it makes the rental car experience of waiting around to sign the contract and get everything done a lot more enjoyable because they feel that if they're patient and well-behaved during that process, they get to decide what we drive for the vacation. And likewise, I love it when, of course, they upgrade the car for me. Even if I don't need a bigger car, and I usually don't because I'm often traveling by myself, it just makes me feel good like I'm a valued customer. And certainly, if I have the family with me, it's a godsend. I love it when a toll device is already installed, either inside the car or a license plate reader, and I don't have to think about it. Often when you're in a new place, you don't know which roads are toll roads and not toll roads. Most people aren't traveling around with a bunch of change in their pockets anymore. So it makes it a lot easier for you to navigate new territories when you don't have to factor in tolls. And finally, we referenced this in the last segment. I love it when I get a car that isn't white, black, or gray, because I can actually find it in the parking lot. And when I do have that chance that you mentioned where I get to pick my own car, I will often go for one that is not one of those three colors. All right, those are the things we love about renting cars. But of course, there are some things that stick out to us as opportunity areas. So Joey, why don't you get us started on the can't stand? Oh my gosh, I'm going to try not to explode when I talk about this one. But the lines at the rental car counter are insane. Now, I get it that they want you to sign up for their loyalty program and, you know, so that you can pass right through and your name's on the board. But sometimes, and I'm a partner with a lot of the different rental car companies, I don't have one that I'm particularly uh, loyal to. Lots of times you get to an airport, a little random airport as it may be, and you're forced to use a company you haven't used before, and then you have these lines. In fact, I spent at a, what I would call a small to medium-sized airport in Wisconsin recently, I spent 
over an hour in line. And I had my wife and my two boys with me. And by the time I finally got to the front to rent the car, the entire family was ready to be done with the vacation that had just started. Yeah. Have you ever gotten there and there's like six uh, rental car counters from different brands and everyone's in your line exactly. and the other ones are They're empty. Always, and I've always <laughs> thought there's a huge opportunity. If I owned a rental car company, what I would do is I would give all of those other brands the opportunity to say, we will match your price right now. So whatever it is, and you could walk out of line with your contract or with your confirmation and say, I was going to rent this type of car for a hundred bucks instead of having those folks just sit there on their phones playing Candy Crush. Exactly. Well, I can't stand having to refill the gas tank before I return the car for a couple reasons. First of all, I'm usually in a place that's foreign to me, so I don't know where the nearest gas station is. And then you've probably gone through this too. You try to find one that's close to the airport, <laughs> but of course the ones that are close to the airport are really expensive. Or you try to find one that's a little bit farther away, but you hope that after you fill up, by the time you get there, it still says full, right? And all this while you're trying to catch your flight, so you're worried about having enough time. It's just a huge inconvenience. And if, if that one thing could be removed, I think the whole experience would be a lot smoother. Agreed, Dan. Agreed. I also can't stand it when my car smells, especially when it smells like cigarette smoke. Now, I know most of the rental car companies you get in the car, it's got a big sign that says no smoking. Well, guess what? People smoke in the cars. And what I don't understand is how the people that cleaned the car didn't notice the smell and felt it was okay to put it back in the line. Because the car's going to be cleaned. It's going to be pulled around from that little spot into a new parking spot. Someone from the rental car company has been in the car and didn't care enough about the experience for the customers to flag that, hey, we need to do something to get the smell out of this car. That's a great uh, point because that person that's checking the car, they're checking hundreds of cars every day. So each individual car is not a big deal. But for the customer, that car is the entire deal, right? That one car is the entire deal. And so my, one of my can't stands is very similar, which is when there's something wrong with the car and it hasn't been checked out before I drive off. So, you know, you drive off and the, the second you leave the, the place, you see a low tire pressure come on, or you see something like that, and you're like, oh, crap, now I got to worry about car problems. And this is exactly why I'm renting a car is to not worry about car problems. And these are things that need to be checked out ahead of time. Agreed. I can't stand the math and the evaluation that I have to do to figure out if the insurance is worth it or not, right? And which insurance? And there's always like seven levels of insurance and we cover if it's a Tuesday and you get into fender bender over here, but if you get this insurance, we cover every day of the week. And you're like, I'm not sure if I'm renting on a Tuesday, I can't remember. It's like, folks, there's gotta be an easier way to handle car rental insurance. And finally, this may sound petty, Joey, but I can't stand that so many rental car companies still use dot matrix printers. <laughs> and the reason is, is I think the dot <laughs> matrix, <laughs> I think the dot matrix printer is symbolic of bigger things. Oh, right? totally. It, if it, that's your idea of the technology you're bringing to the table for the experience, you've told me everything I need to know about how much you value the overall experience. Exactly. And you compare that to using an iPad or some sort of uh, technology where I can check in before I even get there. Uh, think about the hotels we've talked about where you can now open up your 
hotel room door with your phone. You don't even need a key. And yet some rental car companies are still using it makes no sense. So those are the things that we love and can't stand about rental cars. If we missed any, please let us know at experiencethisshow.com. And if you have an industry where you'd like to share your loves and can't stands with us, go to experiencethisshow.com to the contact section and click on start recording to leave us a digital voicemail that we may use in a future segment. Wow! Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.